0: Name I read about him yesterday in the in the newspaper, but what he had done when he was in Chicago was a pastor in Chicago was on Ash Wednesday for the number of years that he was there he went downtown to well, actually towards downtown at the uh, at the uh, the train the l uh, the metro and stood there along with one of his colleagues, an Episcopal priest, and they did the imposition of ashes for all of the people who wished to have that coming and going off the subway or the uh, the, the L. He recently took a call uh, within the past year to uh, Palm Desert, California, and we read yesterday morning when we were in Southern California that he had brought that practice to the desert, El Paseo is a major street that runs through, uh, I'm not sure where it runs, but it's a very, very busy street. And along that street, he and, again, another priest, an Episcopal priest from the area, are going to apparently, and I'm sorry we didn't drive down this morning to see what was going on, do the imposition of ashes for anyone who comes along or walks along that street and make, in a very public declaration of what this day is. We sat on the plane this morning, Carol Ann and I, in the uh, Palm Springs airport, ready to come back uh, here today, and Carol Ann, who was sitting by the window looking out on the ramp, saw uh, passengers coming on, at least a few of them, with ashes on their forehead, which really was so, as a parish pastor over these years, there was a time in my first years as a pastor in the 70s when it was simply not uncommon to be out doing one's business in the course of the day and to come across people with ashes imposed on their foreheads. I didn't see the gentleman who got on the plane today, but uh, I was quite surprised that that would have been happening. And perhaps one of the reasons for that is the fact that this concept that, this idea that we in the Christian church, and in, as primarily in the Christian church, have decided to adopt and honor and practice of repentance and confession is simply a lot less popular than it once was. Now, we could have conversations interminably about why that is. But the fact is that that practice sets us apart. Whether we declare publicly by ashes on our foreheads, and you're probably are going to be quite safe, by the way, when you leave church this evening, unless you do plan to stop and get something, to go to the shopping, uh, you're probably going to be quite safe. But what if you weren't? What if you were not? And the imposition of ashes would indeed set all of us apart as people who have made here in in this time and this place together declarations about who we are. And we're not afraid to declare it in the most public and some would say odd kind of way. There are two times in the traditional church year interestingly enough to wrap wrapped around the two great festivals of the church christmas and easter which are times of both preparation and their times of anticipation and waiting and most of us know that in this particular culture while public declarations of who we are by imposing ashes are not simply well understood. Neither is our whole idea that we also in the Christian faith and out of the Jewish tradition as well have adopted, which is the practice of simply having to wait. Our Jewish brothers and sisters have, there's been incredible humor In fact, wrapped around the idea of what it means for observant Jews to be waiting for the Messiah because they declare that they're getting tired of waiting for the Messiah. We celebrate Christmas, but we prep it up with those four weeks of Advent. We have Easter occurring late in April this year, and we begin this time of both preparation and waiting. Because somehow we have determined that our celebrations, we move into Holy Week, we'll be together on on Good Friday, we'll observe the activities of our Lord's life, those closing activities, and celebrate Easter together. We have declared that in our waiting and in our preparations, we are adding layers and layers of meaning and impact to what we do and it's in many ways relatively relatively countercultural for us even to be gathered here tonight i'm reading a book called american grace and it's really a kind of a sociological study of how american christianity has been changing over the last 50 years and it's very very clear that those of us who would cherish relationships with each other in a community that's called the church. That idea has become and is becoming less and less and less a feature of our society. And yet we keep doing it. And perhaps there's some part of each of us who, each of you who's decided to be here this evening, there's some part of each of you that has said, It's important enough that we set these markers and we gather for confession and repentance and we simply begin a process, 40 days, 40 days of waiting. Because we believe it adds immense meaning. When on Easter morning we will say to each other, He is risen, He is risen indeed. I know that some of you who sit in church this evening are waiting. I know that some of you are waiting for results of medical tests, whether it's your own or those of a loved one. I know that some of you who sit in worship this evening are waiting for a phone call, and it might sound like this. We'd like to schedule you for an interview. We'd like to talk to you about a job offer. I know that some of you are waiting simply for news of any kind that you know you want to hear that's going to shape some choices that are out in front of you. And I know, and you know, There are some people, perhaps known to you, who, like our Lord, who began that journey to Jerusalem, are waiting for death. I read about, and maybe some of you had read an article, I think in the newspaper, about a man here in Oregon, and I haven't read anything about it, who started a blog about the fact that he's waiting to die, and he planned, I think it was yesterday, that he had planned to participate in physician-assisted suicide. If any of you knows or has read anything about that, we were in California when I read that. But he was being very deliberate about that process of waiting, waiting and planning for his own death, and I had to read that with the same import that I knew Ash Wednesday was coming and We have the same story. Different circumstances, and one could debate the reasons, of course, why. But the same story of marking the beginning of waiting for death and marking the beginning of waiting for resurrection. Wait for the Lord and be strong, and take heart and wait for the Lord. From the 27th Psalm. From the 130th Psalm. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. From the 40th Psalm. I waited patiently for the Lord, he turned to me, and he heard my cry. I get the idea that David who wrote these Psalms must have faced all kinds of difficulty in waiting for the fulfillment of God's promises in his own life. The people of Israel, 400 years in Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness, waiting for the promises to be fulfilled and renewed. So, my friends, I invite you to join in a couple of acts of declaration of what we're entering. An imposition of ashes, the promises of Jesus revealed in the sacrament of Holy Communion, ways in which we begin and enter that time. We're going to begin that time with confession and repentance in just a moment. You'll be able to hear those words Speak words of confession and you'll be able to hear God's promises, God's words of the declaration of forgiveness as well. Please take a moment in preparation and reflection as we are about to enter this moment of confession and forgiveness. Brothers and sisters, God has created us to experience joy and communion with him, to love all humanity, and to live in harmony with each other and with all of the creation. But sin separates us from God, from our neighbors, and indeed from the creation. And so we do not end up enjoying the life that our Creator intended for us. We grieve our Father who is in heaven. Our Father in Heaven who does not desire that we would come under judgment, but who would desire that we turn to Him and to live. As disciples of the Lord Jesus, we are called to struggle against everything that leads us away from the love of God and neighbor and separates us from God. Repentance, fasting, prayer, what we would call works of love, are also the disciplines of the Lenten season. I invite you therefore to commit yourselves to this struggle, to confess your sins, asking our Father for strength to persevere in these Lenten disciplines. Gracious Lord, we confess to you and to one another that we have sinned by our own fault, our own deed by what we have done, and by what we have left undone.
1: We have not loved you with our whole heart, mind, and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not forgiven others as we have been forgiven. We have been deaf to your call to serve as Christ served us. We have not been true to the mind of Christ. We have grieved your Holy Spirit. We confess to you, Lord, all our past unfaithfulness, the pride, hypocrisy, And impatience in our lives. We confess to you our anger at our own frustration and our envy of those more fortunate than ourselves. We confess to you our negligence in prayer and worship and our failure to commend the faith that is in us. Accept our repentance, Lord, for the wrongs we have done, for our blindness to human need and suffering, and our indifference to injustice and cruelty. Accept our repentance for all false judgments, for uncharitable thoughts towards our neighbors, and for our prejudice and contempt toward those who differ from us. Restore us, good Lord, and let your anger depart from us.
0: Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ does not desire the death of sinners, but rather that they may turn from their wickedness and live. Therefore, we implore God to grant us true repentance and His Holy Spirit that we would choose those things which may please Him, and which we do on this day, that the rest of our life may be pure and holy, and that at the last we may come to His eternal joy Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. On the night of his betrayal, our Lord Jesus took bread. He gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying to them, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup. He gave thanks, and he gave it for all of them to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, given and shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this for the remembrance of me. Remembering His command to love one another, His life and His death, His resurrection and His ascension. We pray for His coming again in the words our Lord has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses,